Chris, Chris, doing another quickie Coward's Fury, a fury within. Thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're going to embark on a journey to explore the history, theories, and scientific explanations surrounding what is sometimes considered to be a controversial topic. But before we begin, don't forget to rate us five stars on your favorite podcast platform and consider supporting us on Patreon or subscribing to Buzzsprout for exclusive content and a chance to be mentioned in a future episodes. Uh, as many of you know, I recently started my new job, which has been pretty all-consuming. You know what else can be consuming? Fire. We love spending time outside, lighting the fire pit, sipping some drinks, maybe hanging out with some friends. I love lighting candles, but that's not the kind of fire I'm talking about. Nope, that would be far too pedantic and uh, for morbid old me. I'm talking about spontaneous human combustion. Is it real? Is it not? Has it ever been used to cover up something more sinister, like murder? Chapter 1, The Flames of Love. Let me paint you a picture. It's 1938, and the world is a tumultuous place. Germany begins the persecution of the Jews and invades Austria. Orson Welles causes mass panic with the War of the Worlds. Seabiscuit beats War Admiral. In Germany, nuclear fission is discovered. But this is a tale of a young couple in love. The world of adulting seems far from their cares. Besides, this night is going to be a grand one. The couple, engaged to be married, have decided to head out to a local dance and have some fun and show off those dancing moves. Phyllis looks stunning in her long dress made to cut a rug, and Henry looks dashing in his freshly pressed suit and shined shoes. A beautiful, loving couple. The band plays Jeepers Creepers and Begin the Beguine, a real ring-a-ding-ding time. The place was crowded, but Phyllis and Henry only had eyes for each other. The night began to come to a close. The young couple, having worn themselves out, decided it was time to leave. Henry heads towards the door, just steps in front of Phyllis. As Phyllis follows her fiancé, wow, that's a tongue twister. As Phyllis follows her fiancé, she perceives a feeling of heat. It begins near her feet, moving up her calves quickly and making its way up the rest of her body. Before she can barely even understand what's happening, she's completely engulfed in flames. She runs back into the party at Shire Hall in Shelmsford, Essex, panicked and burning. A crowd gathers. Men try to douse the flames with their coats. Henry looks on in terror. The crowd manages to put the flames out as they wait for medics to arrive, but that took 20 minutes. Phyllis was taken to the hospital, but it was too late for her. Her severe burns became infected, and she passed away five days later on September 15, 1938. Grief-stricken, Henry and Phyllis's families were desperate for answers, but answers would not come easily. Chapter 2, Unraveling the Mystery An investigation was conducted. Spontaneous human combustion had been tossed around. Henry, Phyllis's fiancé, mentioned that perhaps a match or a cigarette carelessly tossed could have been the culprit. Nothing could be proven, nothing could be disproven. No cigarette evidence could be found on poor Phyllis's dress upon examination, lending to the spontaneous human combustion theory. Years would pass, Phyllis's story, just like a telephone game, took flight in colorful and wholly inaccurate descriptions of what happened. It was said that she burst into bluish flames, and by the time the flames were extinguished, she was a pile of ash, barely recognizable as a human. But that's what imagination, time, and poor research will get you. Phyllis's story is one of many regarding spontaneous human combustion, or SHC, which I'll say from now on because I'm lazy like that. Reports of SHC date back to the 1400s, and cases can be found all over the world and throughout modern history. 
Studies have been conducted, photographic evidence poured over for clues, autopsies rendered. I believe most scientists think SHC is not real. In many of the cases studied, the victim is usually older, overweight, a smoker or near a fire source, and more often than not, a heavy drinker. The human body is roughly 55 to 60% water, making spontaneous combustion seem rather unlikely. But if you add some flammability to the mix, like fat, alcohol, some type of heat source, and perhaps certain types of fabric, could that answer this perplexing question? Some say yes, others say no. One of the most famous cases is that of Mary Hardy Reeser. Reeser was living in St. Petersburg, Florida in 1951. She was 67 years old at the time. On July 2nd of that year, Reeser's landlady had come calling with a telegraph for the elderly woman. Pansy Carpenter, the landlady, knocked on Reeser's door. When she got no response, she tried the doorknob, but it felt unusually hot. What landlord today would even try the doorknob? You'd be like, "Mm, I don't even think a landlord would come by. I'd just shove it under the door or just, I don't know. Anyway, Pansy... Carpenter decided she was going to try the doorknob. She got, you know, that feeling in the pit of her stomach. You know the one, like, when you know something's amiss. And she called the police. The police entered the apartment only to find a pile of ashes in the place where Reeser's sitting chair usually sat. When police examined the pile, they found a human spine, a left foot with a black slipper still on it, and what appeared to be a skull that had shrunk. It was described that Reeser had been consumed by a, quote, white hot intensity. But with all that, almost nothing else in the apartment had been damaged except a couple of partially melted switch plates and the chair upon which she sat. What could have caused this woman to burn to ashes but the apartment to remain intact? First degree burns can occur at about 118 degrees Fahrenheit, second degree burns at about 131 degrees. Human skin starts to be destroyed at about 162 degrees Fahrenheit. But typically, to burn a human body to the point of ashes requires temperatures of around 1,400 degrees Fahrenheit or more. So just how is it that Reeser burned that severely, but her bedsheets that were just feet from her were still white and untouched? Reeser's death was so puzzling to local authorities that the FBI were asked to step in. In the end, the FBI's finding states that Reeser, who was a smoker and about 170 pounds at the time of her death, most likely dropped a lit cigarette igniting her very flammable nightgown, and that her fat, which when the fire burned through her skin, her fat began to kind of leak out and saturate the fabric, that was actually used to sustain the flames to the point of cremation. She had told her son earlier that she had intended to take a sleeping pill to help her sleep, which could explain why she didn't react to the flames when she was initially set on fire, because she was knocked out by the sleeping pills. As for the apartment being intact, the chair was rather alone, so it was sort of sitting in the middle of the room with not that much around it. So if her fat was really the only fuel, the fire would extinguish itself upon consumption of that fat, leaving everything else unscathed. Okay, okay, okay. But what about all these other stories of spontaneous human combustion throughout history? Well, let's, let's get into it. Chapter 3, The Infamous Cases. Way back machine here, folks. One of the first, if not the first, case of recorded SHC comes from Milan in the 1400s, about a knight named Polonus Vorstius. The poor knight allegedly erupted into flames in full view of his parents. That would be terrifying. His parents would later state that Polonus had a particularly strong wine and flames actually burst from his mouth until he burned to death. That's terrifying. Another famous case is that of Countess Cornelia Zangari de Bondi of Cecina in 1745. 
Dabandi and her chambermaid spent about three hours together after dinner. Dabandi was a heavy brandy drinker, and they, the two talked and prayed together during that three-hour time period until the countess fell asleep. That's when her chambermaid left and went to bed for the rest of the night on her own. It was said that Dabandi's chambermaid found her incinerated to almost just a pile of ashes in her bed when she went to wake her mistress. Both of her legs from the knee down were actually intact with stockings on them. The front portion of her skull and some of her fingers were also intact. It doesn't really appear that she actually burned in her bed because the bed sheets were pulled back as though she had gotten out of bed before she caught fire. There were two candles in her room, but they were unbothered and uh, their wicks were completely intact. Strange indeed. There have been cases in history where people were actually found guilty and sentenced to death due to the death of a loved one by burning, only to be discovered later that it wasn't possible for the condemned to have committed the crime, and that the victim turned to ashes due not to foul play, but that of possible human combustion. Well, who's the killer now? A much more contemporary example is that of 76-year-old Michael Faherty of Galway, Ireland, when he passed away on December 22, 2010. Flaherty was found in his living room. There was a fireplace with a fire in it nearby, but it was determined not to be the source of Flaherty's ignition. The only damage, apart from Flaherty himself, was the ceiling above him and the flooring that was directly beneath him. Flaherty did have type 2 diabetes and hypertension, but physicians do not believe he died before his body burned. After a pretty lengthy investigation, I believe it lasted about a year, there were no accelerants found and no evidence of foul play. The coroner at the time, Dr. Claren McLaughlin, determined, and this is in his paperwork, that the cause was spontaneous human combustion. Also very strange and backed up by a doctor. Or is it? Chapter 4, The Wick Effect and Scientific Explanations. Scientists have explained the almost cremated remains of bodies alongside the almost untouched areas of purported SHC cases as the Wick Effect. Basically, the wick effect can be explained just like this. Just like a candle has a wick and the wax is the flammable stuff that keeps the wick aflame, the subcutaneous fat of the human body acts as the fuel and the clothing acts as the wick. The fire burns until there is nothing left to burn, right? So the wick burns down, the fat gets all burned. Uh, and actually, it can burn at pretty astonishing temperatures in the right condition, Fat mixed with alcohol and methane, another unfortunate byproduct of the human body, work to exacerbate the flames and therefore the heat. But, oh, ick, okay, I've gotten all facty and a little scientific-y on you. Don't get me wrong, lots of logical explanations for these events exist, and they do seem plausible. Chapter 5, Alternative Theories and Popular Culture. So over time, there have been other, perhaps less scientific-y theories Beyond the scientific explanations, we encounter some of these alternative theories and delve into the realm of speculation. These include one's own temperance, divine wrath, drunkards who had saturated their body cells with booze, one's emotional state, sunspots, okay, cosmic storms, I kind of like that one, intestinal bacteria that causes excess gas, no, I don't like that one, um, and one's vibrational energy being the cause. I'm not sure I like the vibrational energy either. But one man, Larry Arnold, piloted the idea that the SHC phenomenon is due to a new subatomic particle called the, you could guess it, pyrotron, which interacts like somehow with human tissue 
to cause like a mini explosion, thereby setting the unfortunate up to burn. He also posits that these cells sort of like magically or somehow, I don't know how, enter into an increased flammability state that he termed, quote, preternatural combustibility. That is not an easy thing to say. These may not be in this realistic realm for most when it comes to SHC explanation, but they sure sound interesting. And SHC is interesting to many people. There are numerous papers and more cases than you can shake a stick at. Also, SHC has made it into popular culture, right? Take poor Phyllis's case. Her story has been told, retold, and retold again, each time with additional fiction added. In some retellings, her name wasn't even Phyllis. As we said earlier, she burnt in, you know, some say she burnt into these fantastic blue flames and burned to almost nothing but ash. But that, of course, was not what actually happened. There are even books like Herman Melville's Redburn or Charles Dickens' Bleak House, uh, both which depict characters that spontaneously combust. And perhaps one of the more famous contemporary examples is from the mouth of David St. Hubbins in the mockumentary This is Spinal Tap. Quote, dozens of people spontaneously combust every year. It's just not widely reported. (laughs) Chapter six, the enduring fascination. All this to say, it doesn't really matter whether you believe in spontaneous human combustion or you side with those of science who say they have debunked the myth thoroughly. People will remain fascinated by and tell stories about spontaneous human combustion for generations to come. Well, thanks for joining me on this fiery journey exploring spontaneous human combustion. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating. Consider supporting us. Until next time, keep a cool head. 